All right, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. An absolutely monumental week on Get Around Me. History has been made. Podcasting was one way, and now it's another. After 260-odd episodes, Get Around Me has finally made it into a real studio. Brackets, recorded in a space that was not my personal residence. What a time it truly is to be alive. My Lord. You know, so many people, the haters, the doubters, you know who you are. Mum, stop listening to this podcast unless you're going to be positive about it at dinner. But to the detractors, dude, I'll say this. When we hit 150 episodes, still never made it to a studio. People said, Darcy, you'll never get into a studio. You wouldn't know a studio if it hit you in your stupid, dumb face. That's what people said to me, probably. Okay? At least that's what I imagined they were saying when they briefly looked at me at the bus stop. Cursed things they were thinking. There's no doubt in my mind. And this week, we have done it. After threatening for two weeks to get into the studio... The first week, unfortunately, I was not as familiar with the booking system as I probably should have been. The second week, we just had that huge bender and it just wasn't on, okay? And I didn't want to start off in the studio without an absolutely electric first episode in there. And that's exactly what happened today. We had an electrifying guest, which I'll get to in a second, but I'm excited, okay? The solo portion of the pod will continue to be recorded uh, in my bedroom. I just think as a six foot two straight white guy, I worry about what will happen if I get on a professional microphone in a professional studio, just solo. I could become just deranged with power. You know, I see the switchboard start to light up. I got this $4,000 mic in my face. All of a sudden I start to think, maybe this isn't a comedy podcast. Maybe I've got some opinions, you know? Next thing you know, I'm signing on the dotted line with 702 and I'm absolutely just going nuts on the AM airwaves. So I do think for the sake of my own ego and really the culture of this great city, I should stay in my bedroom for the solo portion because the bedroom humbles you when you're talking to yourself. Okay, you don't want people in the studio after you just spoke to yourself for 45 minutes saying, wow, Bill. All your thoughts without opposition, that was great, okay? That's when you start getting into real Alan Jones territory, which I'm trying to avoid. So the solo portion will be staying humble, staying nimble, okay? I keep you at range, I work the jab, I chop away with my legs. Everyone knows how I operate. I'm the only person to win a pub fight on points, and don't you forget it. But we had a fantastic guest this week, Beck Charwood, comedian, podcaster other things she's a great mate of mine and rowan's she's a phenomenal stand-up comedian also our first ever female guest on the podcast yes okay for years get around me has faced dogged comments about the lack of diversity in our guests people have been saying get around me is some sort of it's a boys club you know, oh, it's just it's just white guys having a laugh. You know how Darcy books that thing, which is potentially fair. We've really only had sort of six or seven guests on the podcast over the history of it. Rowan's been on a bunch. Freddie's been on a couple of times. P 
Pat's been on a couple of times and then we've had like three other guests in the history of the pod. But to all those people who say Billy Darcy doesn't book enough diverse guests and that there's not enough diversity uh, in the podcast itself, I will remind everyone for the fifth and final time that Will Gibb is in fact gay and he was on this podcast. So how we haven't got a fucking government grant yet is beyond me. But I'd just like to get in front of some of the speculation that, yes, we have had our first woman on in 262 episodes. 261 too late, if you ask me, okay? But while I'm here talking about Beck, she has a brand new stand-up special on YouTube. It's called Bipolar Baby. It's fucking phenomenal. And it looks really nice, like really well shot. Bang. I think it's about 35 minutes or so which I love. Why does everything have to be an hour? I personally have never had a YouTube video longer than four minutes go any well. So people are always asking me, when are you going to put an hour on YouTube, Bill? When are you going to do a stand-up comedy special? And I'll say this, when people can get to the sixth minute of my videos, maybe I'll have a look at the remaining 53. So I love that Beck's done a shorter version of this. It's a great special. It looks great. Go check it out. Beck Charwood, Bipolar Baby on YouTube. Very exciting stuff. And the episode with her uh, coming up shortly is just an absolute banger. All right. It's got everything you want from a classic get around me. Laughs. Other stuff. Rowan dragging comedians we know. Me having to think about all day whether I'm going to edit it out or not. Rowan not having to think about these things and so on and so forth, okay? So it was a lot of fun and looking forward. Well, I'm not looking forward to it. I was there, but I hope you enjoy it is what I'm saying. Before we go any further, I do have a retraction from last week. Apparently on the podcast, I said eggs are dairy and apparently they're poultry. Thank you to whatever white belt nerd messaged me that. Unfortunately, I was not aware of the distinction as I have in fact had sex before, but as you know, this is a fact-based podcast where we talk about facts, and so I did want to just get out in front of that and say that last week I did in fact say eggs were dairy, and apparently they're poultry because they come from chickens. I would say that the bloke who actually sent that in is a bit of fucking poultry, if you ask me. But either way, this is a fact-based podcast, and I did want to get in front of that. Also, got a heap of messages over the weekend, probably since... <laughs> The last time I got this many messages was honestly when Warney died. So whatever, whatever that says about me is fine. But yeah, this Josh Giddy thing, Australian superstar Josh Giddy, who plays in the NBA, who I have waxed lyrical at length about his outstanding jawline and his Chamolet-esque good looks. I've said it before and I'll say it again. He's like a Jack Chalamet. He's the hottest bloke I've ever seen in my fucking life. And apparently he's in some sort of a bingle with an underage girl, allegedly. So I've had heaps of comments uh, or sorry, messages, I should say, saying, oh, Bill, mate, and an Aussie sports scandal. You love these things. And I do love a hilarious sports scandal, guys. But I like the ones where, you know, a bloke gets done doing heaps of coke and he plays for the Cronulla Sharks and maybe he's licking a girl's neck or something on the street. But maybe that girl's 23 or something, okay? This underage thing's a bit dodgy. This isn't really sort of a true crime podcast. We're looking to keep things light here where possible. And 
we've just had our first female guest. I'd hate to get into something as dark as this. So I will be having the same policy as the Oklahoma Thunder. I think that's the name of his team. I don't watch basketball. But uh, Josh Giddy, it's play on from me until we hear otherwise. So I know he was dropped by Wheat Bix off all their social media and packaging. Honestly, cereal brands are cowards. Special K dropped Michael Phelps back in the day for having a bong hit. What, Phelps, he can't fucking chill out after a four-year Olympic cycle? He can't put his hair down in the backyard with his mates? Do you know what I mean? So cereal companies are notoriously cowardly with this sort of thing. You know, God forbid you you do a rail or or get into some sort of mischief and you happen to be on a Wheat Bix box. Obviously, this is a bit different with Josh with the underage thing. It's not a great look, you know, saying I'm a Wheat Bix kid and all of this sort of stuff because one of the core tenets of being a Wheat Bix kid is not fucking the other one. So we'll have to see what happens with Josh Giddy. Again, I, I, like you, await the findings of the NBA investigation. But if this bloke goes down for this, there's about 37 minutes of audio content of me just absolutely frothing on him. So we could have another name added to the list of people I admire who are in fact predators, but we will have to see how it goes. And and that's about it. Really, a couple things I wanted to say. I don't know, dude. This week, I got to say, I've got like mad like December 15 energy. Like I'm, I'm ready to put the tools down. And I, I do feel insecure about talking about this openly because I don't really know a single one of my friends or family who I work harder than. You know, my life is pretty cruisy. I work a gentleman's 20 hours during the week and I refuse to work a second more. And then I do my gigs at night and, and that's about it. And I whip around town and it's a pretty recreational existence, okay? The ATO continues to contact me and they can continue to try that. But here's the deal is that I'm really just got the tools down energy. I'm just not really interested in doing stand-up anymore for this year for whatever reason. I don't really have anything to sort of like work towards. You know when you got like a big gig coming up or something or I don't know, a big project whatever people get up to and you're sort of working towards it. Like I've got two and a half weeks of gigs left and they're just they're just spots that exist in the ether. Like I don't really, I'm not that fired up. You know, I've got like, my energy is like we have two games left in the season and we cannot make the eight. That's my energy coming into December. Like the coach is already fucking around, putting people off the bench. Do you know what I mean? We got the fullback at 5'8", bit of an experiment for next season. We know in reality, that as much as we're going to say at the team meetings going forward, hey, boys, finish strong, put a stamp on this season, let's have a bit of pride in the jersey, uh, I just am not feeling it, you know, not a lot of energy towards what I'm doing on stage at the moment, and looking forward to just really powering down for the year. I've already had a couple of things come up where I go, I'll sort it next year, and I'm saying that like back end of November. Like, if you're saying, I'm going to sort that next year in November, brother, do you know what I mean? Write December off because you, you're not into it. So I'm looking forward to it. The Big Bash is coming back. And once the Big Bash comes back, that's like when the snow or there's like frost on the leaves and bears know to like begin storing food for winter. When the Big Bash comes back, I simply must have all my tools down. I'm not doing an unpaid 10-minute spot 
working on material and all this stuff, all the good stuff that you should be doing out there, I will continue to do for the next two weeks. And then once the big bash comes and I put the comedy tools down, I will be in full recreation mode. And I absolutely cannot wait. So looking forward to that. December 14 is my last comedy gig of the year. And it's also the last podcast of the year. So two more to come after this one. We'll have the drunk Christmas episode in a couple of weeks. And then that'll be that till like January 15 or around then. Okay, so looking forward to it. And like I said, yeah, I just wanted to mildly, not complain, but just express that I have pretty much put the tools down on November 25 and I'm ashamed to tell any of my friends because they actually have real jobs with real lives. So that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Also, I just wanted to shout out from one broadcaster to another, the king of the airwaves, Kyle Sanderlands, and his saucy right-hand woman, Jackie O, have just signed a 10-year, $200 million deal. My God. These guys continue to do it. $200 million radio deal. Is it 2002? Who the fuck still listens to FM radio, dude? What is happening out there? And it's a genius move from Kyle Sanderlands. For a man who's not going to live for 10 years to sign a 10-year deal, that's negotiating of the highest level. If this bloke sees out this deal, I'll buy a really, really nice bucket hat and I'll eat it. Okay, and that's how that's how willing I am to be wrong with this because I'm notorious for loving bucket hats. So I'll buy like a nice Burberry one and I'll fucking eat it, dude, because there's no chance. But here's to another 10 years of Kyle asking celebrities where they last fingered someone and, you know, getting dwarves and autistic people on under the guise of inclusivity and then asking them about their brother's sex lives at 7.30 in the morning, Okay. He's the kingpin for a reason. That microphone is gold for a reason. And all I can say is long live the king. <laughs> I feel like Kyle and Jackie O, honestly, next referendum, 100%. I don't know if this is relatable to people outside of Sydney. I know their show is now getting broadcast into Melbourne next year as well. But dude, next referendum, we have to do who is listening to these cunts referendum like five thousand dollar fine if you don't vote truthfully who the fuck is listening to kyle and jackie o every day in 2023 radio died seven years ago and people are still listening to kyle and jackie o to the point where they have just signed a 200 million dollar 10-year deal how much money are they still bringing in like this is insane dude this is like I'm trying to think of some parallel example, but I'm overwhelmed by what this man continues to do. And I just want everyone to put their guns on the table. Okay, we're all friends here. No one's wrong. No one's angry. There are no wrong answers here. Who is still listening to these guys, dude? Just an insane thing to happen in 2023. Kyle Sanderlands is just... He's a mercurial man. Like, he is thriving in an industry that died a decade ago. He's making more money now in an industry that died 10 years ago than he was in, like, the peak of it. That's, like, crazy shit, dude. I don't know how he does it. 
I have no idea how he does it. But fair play to the great man. Uh, I wish him the best, okay? I mean that. And do I have anything else to say about that? I had one more thought about Kyle that I can't think of right now. Do you know what it is, dude? And it's so obvious in my tone. We can all feel it. I'm bitter as hell, dude. I'm the most bitter man on this side of the street because I entered stand-up comedy under the proviso that as a charismatic, extroverted, stand-up comedian with mediocre talent and and pretty voluminous hair, I was entering this industry under the proviso that at some stage I'll be given $450,000 a year to drive Adelaide home each day. Then, okay, then, right, the industry completely dies. There's no money in it. No one's really driving anyone home. I don't even know who does breakfast radio and afternoon radio. And the industry is dead because the, the people who are doing drive radio and breakfast radio are the same people that were doing it 10 years ago. You know, you got Husey's just on four different shows and it's Ed Cavalier on four different shows. And Marty Sheargold pulled up stumps. I mean, good on him for getting out on top. Then you got Ricky Lee is doing the Kiss Drive show. Like, what is even anything at this point? And it's fine. The industry is dead. Or so they said. I don't receive my $450,000 to drive Adelaide home. That's fine. Because like I said, the industry is dead. But then Kyle Sanderlands comes out and signs a $200 million deal. And I'm left talking to myself in my bedroom going, what the bloody hell? But anyway, let's get off that. I just want to tell one quick yarn. And then we got the project. And then we will get into this guest episode. So, Bondi. I had a big gig uh, Thursday opening for this Scottish guy I'd never heard of. Pat Doherty teed me up. Shout out to Pat. Shout out to Rory Lowe who teed me up opening for Trevor Wallace the other week. Friends helping out friends. There's nothing better. Okay. Love that. So, Pat recommended me for opening for some guy. I got a... Get the bus to the Coogee Bay Hotel because I'm a public transport warrior now in the city. And then I got to open for this Scottish guy and then get all the way back to the city and do this second gig. So I get on the bus. Uh, people in Bondi, dude, I don't even know. Firstly, I'm still a bit skittish at the Bondi Junction train station because there's just so many cops there. And God forbid you just want to smoke a joint after your three unpaid gigs that night, you know? God forbid you want to put the tools down on a weeknight without 74 Labradors mounting you at the Bondi Junction train station. So still a bit skittish from that. Get the train to Bondi Junction. Get on the bus. Do the people of Bondi, I've never seen anything like this. Multiple people standing and then Bondi people sitting on the outside of the seat on the bus. So just taking the whole seat to themselves right next to someone standing and like not moving over for them. Like people in Bondi, they're absolute, they're the hottest people on the planet, but the problem is they fucking know it, okay? This is why every lead romantic thing in a film, whether it be a guy or a gal, it's always someone that's hot, but they don't really know it because that is the dream because hot people who know it are pretty much super villains. And that's what I was witnessing on this Bondi bus, I saw one guy who didn't move over for a person and he wasn't even hot. Like, fair enough, if you're a genuine 10 and you want to carry on that way, I understand you haven't faced a consequence in over a decade, 
But I saw a guy who wasn't even hot sitting on the outside of a seat, not moving over for his fellow man. That's absolutely, absolutely shocking. So I get down to the Coogee Bay Hotel, 10 to 7, right? Show starts at 7. I'm a prof- professional. I text ahead saying I'll be there at 10 to 7. Scottish bloke didn't respond, whatever. I roll in. I order one Carlton draft at the bar outside where I'm, while I'm trying to work out where the show is. $12 for a Carlton draft. $12 for a Carlton draft. And I don't want to carry on too much about the cost of living because I think it's fair to say I've done more than my fair share of that this this year. But it's like $12 for a Carlton draft. What are the poor people drinking? Do you know what I mean? It's supposed to be a working class drop. If I get priced out of Carlton draft, you're basically into your mid-strength market. I could be potentially priced out of full-strength beer if this keeps going the way it's going. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if you hit me with $9 for a Carlton draft, I'd be like, that's steep. But also, I get it. Housing prices are up. The Reserve Bank, don't get me started. Interest rates, what do they mean? But I could understand it and I could live with it. You hit me with a $10 Carlton draft, I'm probably messaging the lads going, what about this? But a $12 Carlton draft, like, that's just... Who are pubs for at this point? The Coogee Bay Hotel is a pub. So if you're doing $12 schooners at Carlton Draft, like, who is this for? Because really rich people don't drink Carlton Draft. They don't drink it. Guys who wear linen shirts don't drink Carlton Draft. Okay? Aperol spritzers, make them $37. Vodka sodas, make them 1000 bucks. whatever. I don't know what rich people drink. Pineapple juice, just fucking jack it up. But VB, Carlton Draft, twoies, do you know what I mean? Leave it alone. I'm wearing a t-shirt. I'm just a person. Anyway, so then I go into the gig, 7 p.m. show. Bloke's not there. They, they walk me into some green room and uh, they go, the promoter's here or whatever. I knew the promoter from other gigs. Anyway, he goes, yep, okay, Gary, the bloke, he's going to be here in 45 minutes. This is it like one minute before the show. I go, what? And keep in mind, selfishly, I do have another gig to get to. So I'm like, not sure about that. They go, yeah, he's he just flew in from Perth and he reckons his phone didn't change over. So the bloke's like two hours behind or something. He's on Perth time. And he's just getting an Uber from his Airbnb, which is like 45 minutes away. So I don't even know. How, how your phone cannot change over is beyond me. Okay, I've got an iPhone 1 and even mine will have the common courtesy of doing that for me. So whatever. Chat to the booker for like 45 minutes. That's that's great. That's how I want to be spending my time. And anyway, so he rocks up at 7.45, this Scottish bloke. I don't even meet him. He just gives me a fist bump and then they go, it's like this massive stage. You got to walk out to this stage because like it's a massive, massive room at the Coogee Bay Hotel. Like the living end was playing there the next night. So then the main stage where the band is, they've they've created like a second stage for the comedy where there's like stairs going down to like this second lower stage. Okay, so then also the smoke machine, like they'd set it up for a band. Like the everything's so dark backstage. I'm fully going to axe it on the stairs and the smoke machine, I've never seen this much like smoke. I don't even know why comedy has smoke machines really. When you do theatres, they have it. 
I guess it can be a nice touch sometimes. The line between a tasteful amount of smoke and just way too much smoke is like so fucking razor thin that you do have to be careful with it. And (laughs) there was like 150 people out there and like a freaking 400 seater or something. And I walk out. They're like, welcome to the stage, Billy Darcy, like the sound tech guy, like brings me on back announce. And then I walk out, dude, there's so much smoke. I can't even see anything. And then I'm so scared of axing it on the stairs. I'm like giving it the old, yeah. And, but I'm literally just looking at the ground. I walk down the stairs. There's so much smoke. I get to the lower stage. There's no microphone. Like, (laughs) and I'm trying to play it cool. I'm like, I don't even know. Like, there's so much smoke that I think maybe I just can't see it. And I'm literally like trying to bat away the smoke. And I'm looking for the microphone. And then, you know, the music stops. Because when I come out, it's like, you know, th- Thunderstruck's playing or some shit, you know. Wow. And then, like, I'm looking around for the microphone. And there's all this smoke. And there's all this ACDC playing. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. It should be around here. And then the music stops. And the smoke sort of starts to settle. And I'm just standing on this massive stage. And I, I have no idea where the microphone is. Like, <laughs> I don't even know, dude. Like, what the hell? Why would it not be in the middle? I've done fucking 4,000 gigs in my life. It's never not just been in the middle of the stage. And then so now I'm just standing there in complete silence. <laughs> in front of like 150 Scottish people. In this massive fucking room. And oh my god. And and I'm I started to This was my energy up there. Like I looking back, I didn't know what to do. I still don't know what to do. And I look around and I'm like, fuck. Like I'm turning around. Like it's nowhere to be seen. Like there's two stages. I'm thinking, was I supposed to bring it out with me? Like, is it a wireless thing? I don't know. There was no information. Um, and then, like, this Scottish lady in the front's like, it's it's over there. It was, like, in the corner of, like, the massive stage, like, right in the dark. So then I've got to walk back up, like, the seven stairs up to the top stage, run over, grab the mic, walk back down the stairs. At this point, I'm, like, 30 seconds into my set. I go, oh, my God. Bombing before I've not even got to the mic. It's a new low team, hey? She did not do well in the room. I'll be candid. And, uh, you know, some comedians will will not start bombing until they actually have the microphone in their hand. That is chump amateur hour shit, okay? Billy Darcy, I'm bombing before I even pick it up, dude, okay? I'm standing there in front of 150 Scottish people with the smoke machine going nuts. I'm standing there in complete silence with nothing in my hands, looking confused as fuck, Okay? I should dead set win the Golden Gibbo. It's alt comedy, all right? So it was kind of a rough start with the Scottish people. You, the kid never gives up, okay? I got him. I met the Scottish bloke as I bring him onto stage. And uh, I don't know who he is. Gary Meekly? Mikely? I don't know how I pronounced his name when I brought him up, but I don't think it was correct. But um, I'll say this. Whoever this bloke is, he was absolutely wrecking the place when I left. So he's obviously an absolute gun, and I wish him the best. Now, all right, just one quick thing. Oh, the project. Okay. 
So I'll just do the project. I guess this is sort of a shorter solo episode. And then we got sort of a longer guest episode. That was a lot of fun. So the project is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent killing it here and abroad. Up on the project this week, uh, a, a lady that's been on here before. We know her. We love her. Australian boxer Sky Nicholson went 9-0 and over the weekend, defending the interim WBC strap at 126 pounds. And... It's exciting stuff. It's exciting stuff. She beat some chick called like Lucy Lionheart or something. Her opponent sounded like a cartoon character, you know? It was like Betty Bullet or some shit. But anyway, this chick's comical name did not help her. Her coaches threw in the towel in the ninth round. And Sky looked bloody good doing it, okay? Barely a mark on her. And 9-0, and she, she moves forward. She is now the mandatory challenger for the undisputed champion amanda serrano and i don't even know dude that will be that will be a tough fight for sky you know amanda serrano she's puerto rican she's got a chin made out of granite and she hits like a fucking truck so i don't love the matchup for sky who you know stands on the outside and is looking to outbox people i really don't really know much about boxing so i'm not really going to try to analyze the matchup from a stylistic point of view but i will say that it it could be a tough one for sky i have no idea how boxing works because amanda serrano is undisputed at 126 pounds she she holds all four belts so what how sky got her hands on an interim belt when the champ is actively actively defending all four is beyond me okay i think the belts are like a scam in boxing but yeah now we have this situation where sky could be facing one of the greatest boxers of all time at a chance for all four straps. So pretty fucking sick, dude. You want to talk about Aussies killing it overseas who you might not hear of. I mean, my God, Amanda Serrano is an absolute tank, but Sky's hotter. So it is a 50-50 fight. Don't believe what you see on Sportsbet. I think Sky will probably be coming in at like $13 for this one. But what you want to do is you want to take out your superannuation and tell the kids, hey, I know you guys said you wanted a PS5 for Christmas, and guess what? You're about to get it, because our girl Sky is going to stand on the outside and box Amanda's face off, probably. Don't quote me on that, okay? But it's a very exciting opportunity for an Australian on the rise, and Sky, she's a dynamic young woman. I see a lot of people saying that, hey, you know, Sky's only so famous because she's like the hottest chick on the planet, which I disagree with, Okay. Sky is extremely hot. I'll tell you what's hot about her. Her footwork, her distance management, her jab, okay? The fact her hands are always low. The fact she's just always smiling, styling on her opponents. That's what's hot about her, okay? That is what's hot about her. So we wish Sky the best. She's an absolute weapon. Also, I think she's only like 25 or something. Double check that. I just made it up. But yeah, we've got a lot of, we got a lot of Sky Nicholson in front of us. Whether she gets the Amanda Serrano fight next or not, I personally, for her own safety, would not like to see that matchup. Let's keep defending this interim strap, whatever that may be. I'm happy to face her next. If she needs another absolute can to tee off on, I'm willing to make that sacrifice. So, Sky Nicholson, she's an Australian killing it here and abroad. And I think we will get to see Sky in a massive fight sometime next year. So... Looking forward to it, dude. And shout out to Adzi. Sky Nicholson has not had a knockout in about 24 years. 
And Adzi put a tenner on the knockout at six bucks and got up. That jammy bastard. That's a vintage Adzi vibe-based bet that got up. And we wish him the best as well. So anyway, that is the end for the solo podcast this week. A little bit shorter, but whatever. It's all good stuff. Up next, me, Rowan Arneal, and Beck Charwood. And it's just a bloody laugh. So I hope you enjoy it. I also continue to post stand-up clips on the internet. If you want to share them with a friend, uh, that would be a fantastic help to me and my touring aspirations in 2024. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, up next is Rowan Arneal and Beck Charlotte, dude. Yeah. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. I'm way too gone, way too gone. All right, legends. Welcome back to a monumental episode of Get Around Me, our first ever episode in a legitimate studio me and the irish wolfhound <laughs> he's smiling from ear to ear on his birthday is it your birthday oh it is my birthday yeah oh my happy birthday thank you thank you i've, I've earned it something i feel embarrassed now and he and do you know what he's doing on the on his birthday he's on the airwaves <laughs> on the i'm out of the alley between billy's bed and his desk and what man could have what could anyone ask for than out of that little alley and now we're wearing shirts as well we're wearing shirts and we're not in our place of residence. This podcast is going to a new level. You usually do it shirtless. It's so hot in there. I mean, it's pretty hot in here. Sorry, I sound like such a pervert. Well, what if you, <laughs> what if you guys took your shirts off now? <laughs> yeah, Come honestly, on, don't be shy. <laughs> we are actually, I should introduce, Beck Charwood is here with us. Uh, our first ever female guest as well. Really? We've really only had like four guests in the history of the pod. Well, fine. That actually works perfectly for diversity of a comedy lineup. It's like one in five is a woman. Yeah, we're pretty much at one in six. So it's we kind of got that Magic Mike vibe going and we're looking good. But I should warn you as well, Beck, that Rowan will just flame people we know routinely throughout this episode. Great. So mm-hmm. heads up for that. I love a flamer. You know um, that comedian that you mentioned earlier? Yes, whose I'm name will say not, his name. Don't say his name. I swear <laughs> to God. I'm going to say it on my no. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> But well, honestly, guys, let's cut the shit because we need a good episode this week. Last week, me and Rowan's was unreleasable. Unfortunately, we had like a three-day thing at the pad. Oh, it was on. It was no. I, I was trying to impress you. We just had a very, very big weekend, and me and Rowan recorded one of our fam- famous shirtless episodes, but it didn't go. No, not at all. Not at all. One of us had to have had serotonin. Just neither of us. Just staring at each other until it was just became us kind of being cruel to each other and revealing each other's secrets and we had to put the mics <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah. I had a box oh, on the weekend. Okay. And then Billy came home at four and joined the box till like seven in the morning. So Oh my God. That's, yeah. That it was sounds a, awesome. It, it was pretty cool. Imagine you come home from a massive night out with your respective boys and you open the door to see eight boys from a different night out. Whoa, that's too powerful. The energy in the room was fucking unbelievable. How did a black hole not form? That's that's some dark energy right there. Some some black holes formed in our brains (laughs) about a week. So now you're seeing why you could be our first ever female guest because this is traditionally how these things go. But last week- there's nothing wrong with being proud to be a boy. I think it's actually pretty cool. Oh my God. Finally, someone fucking said it. 262 (laughs) episodes in and someone has had the balls to say it on this podcast. And let's not forget- Tall boys. Tall boys. And white boys. It is so brave Let's of not you. be proud of the white it's part. So sh- no, let me finish my thought. <laughs> <laughs> so brave of you to be tall white men 
in the year of 2023. That's something that a lot of people are scared to do, but this is, you guys are out this here. This is Sydney combined with your Perth, <laughs> and I don't like it. The West Coast. In- I tell you what, it is still, it's still very cool to be tall and white in Perth. Oh, it's absolute cream of the crop there. And it's less cool in Adelaide, and it is out on the East Coast. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you got to go back and soak up that sun and the popularity, yeah. get a sense of self. Accidentally get a tribal tattoo from all the confidence. Yeah. That's the thing. The line between tall white men having self-worth and tribal tattoos is so fucking thin <laughs> that we have to be so careful. <laughs> Otherwise, if you start hearing me say the word ancestors, call my parents <laughs> because I will get egged up. I'm not afraid to do it. Me and me and Billy get a radio job in Perth. We both come back with Celtic tattoos. <laughs> oh, fuck. Rad. Fuck. It was nine months, bro. <laughs> we got two jet skis and four Celtic tattoos. <laughs> Where would you get them? Sleeves, shin, shin's very popular. I saw a lot of like calf and shin tattoos yeah. when I was in Perth yeah. recently. The, the problem with shin tattoos is because they're way more expensive than people think. Because a lot of people will look at your regular uh, shin tribal tattoo. It's, you're probably looking at about eight hundred dollars, but they don't they don't ever think about the extra six hundred to upgrade your shorts collection in your wardrobe. And because I, they have to be out, rain, hail, or shine. Yeah. And a lot of the dudes with shin tattoos have, like, big steroid problems, and then it's more skin as well. So it's all adding up. Exactly. Yeah, so you're for, like, 1.6K then at that point for double the shin I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm a classy one on the chest, on the pec. Oh, left or right? Over my heart, obviously. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Over my heart, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, if I was to get a tattoo and it didn't, like – increase my dating potential in any way, shape, or form. I have, I literally have no idea why you would ever get one. He always talks about this. He'd only get tatted up for the roots. <laughs> Exclusively. What do you think is the tattoo that would make you the most rootable? I don't know. Just some shit like wanted in big letters down my arm yeah. with like a little bit of barbed wire down the bottom. So she goes, oh, my God. No, but You're a criminal? The, that's the thing. I never address it. Yeah, never. I never oh. address it. I'm still as likable as I am now. But I just look hard as fuck. It's from a past life. You do that sexy thing where she's like, what the fuck is that? And you change the subject immediately. And she's yeah. like, he's mysterious as hell. I go, I <laughs> he's don't hiding it. something. Who, who, okay, here's, here's a hot question I've been asking people recently. Who do you think's more mysterious, me or Billy? Okay. I think the only way to side is if you boys take your shirt off. I think that's the only way. <laughs> <laughs> There's no mystery there. More mysterious. Um. Okay, this is really... Putting me in the hot seat. Um, I won't be offended. I will be. I am going to have to say that it is Rowan, unfortunately, but that is because I've known you for so long. Do you know what it is? It's because I'm so fucking friendly. I'm sick yeah. of people thinking because I'm likable, I'm not mysterious. <laughs> you do get like, I think what it is, is uh, so many ro- like gigs I've done with you is you're blazed out of your mind in the corner, <laughs> just staring off into the distance looking so unfriendly that I'm like, ah, I'm not going to bother him. Like three people have told me that they used to think I hated them. And I was like, I didn't know you existed. <laughs> Dude, people have said to me, they go, I didn't know he was such a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) I I work long hours. I'm quite tired. When I was garboing, people would like think I had legitimate problems with them. And I'm like, no, I I wake up at 3.55. You say that though, but I one time had a comedian who I had not spoken, barely spoken to at all. And we just had like nice conversations in passing, messaged me at 3 a.m., 
out of nowhere being like, why do you hate me? <laughs> and this is like a man in his 40s. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I don't think of you. Like, I don't. Oh, that's no. flattering, though. Yeah. That's kind of scary, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. I mean, the, some of the a less scary DM than a lot of others I've received in my time yeah. in comedy. <laughs> Jesus. First ever woman on the pod. You continue to break barriers in the space, Brett. <laughs> I mean. Of receiving creepy texts? No, that's, it. that's the barrier to entry for a woman in comedy. Do you? Just so, a father of four messaging you at night being like, Hey, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a bit that uh, I think need your opinion on, and you're like, it's it's one a.m. <laughs> Liam, what's going on? Every woman that ever goes to an open mic should just be shaken by someone and go. Writing sessions don't exist. <laughs> they don't exist. If someone says that to you, walk away. Wait, they've got nothing to offer you. Also, no one is just hanging out in green rooms. Like, there is no green room hang. <laughs> they it don't exist anymore. They're not in the budget. <laughs> you, you're, you're allowed to do a writing session with a woman, maybe, that's new to comedy, but it needs to happen in, like, a Westfield food court or something. It has yeah, to happen. fluorescent in- lighting has to be present. Security guards, <laughs> cameras, everything's on a database. Like. Yeah. Do you think you get creepier messages from crowd members or other comedians? Other comedians. Oh, really? I get no... I have never been hit on by... I've only been hit on one crowd member in my entire... I've been doing comedy a decade. Only one crowd member (laughs) has sent me a DM being like, hey, we should go get a drink sometime. That's crazy. That's so funny. That sucks so hard. (laughs) No, I think it's... I I much prefer it. Really? Yeah. I'd hate if there was heaps of dudes in my DMs being like, I thought you were really... The whole time you were talking, I couldn't stop looking at your mouth. Let's hang out. But if you give anyone that voice, they're going to sound annoying. (laughs) Maybe like once every six months, a boy that looks like he has a good job on Instagram is like, I thought you were really funny if you'd ever like to get a drink. Nah. Dude, Aaliyah (laughs) Aaliyah Lavore was getting hit up after standout the other night by a crowd member. Really? Yeah, full um, arms. She sent me the screenshots, like, full, like, he's liked, like, nine of her reels back to back. And uh, and also, Aaliyah's not posting heaps, so that's front and center. That's front and center. And and then he also messaged her on top of that. So just, you you fire off 11 likes and then follow it up with a message. (laughs) Fuck. Was he at standout? Or yeah, he- and he was the worst crowd member there by a mile. <laughs> what did he do? What did he do? Okay, such a piece of shit. <laughs> he interrupted my set. Him and his stupid mate got up, and then they were like, his mates were like talking, being like, no, that's they're like that thing you were talking about. I was like doing an introvert joke. And they were like, no, they're extroverts or something. And then, yeah, and then I just uh, I, I became furious immediately. <laughs> and I paused for like maybe 15 seconds because I was thinking, do not like freak out all over this bloke because mm. I was the second last act and Will was on next and I was like, I don't want to burn the room to the ground for him. So then I'm just standing there trying to think of like a 15 second joke because I lost all my train of thought. And then this woman from the crowd goes, you can do it, Bill. Oh, And then now the vibe is like, Everyone get around this Make-A-Wish kid. He's, he's <laughs> lost it up there. Oh. And and now I just want to assault the bloke. Like, mm. um, and this Assault was, Aaliyah's future husband. You don't give a fuck. Well, if that's what it comes to, you know, like. <laughs> but, yeah, I think there's probably a, what's the word I'm looking for, parallel between, like, most toxic bloke in the room and the first one into her DMs. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. There's probably a Venn diagram that's one circle there. Yeah, and liking all makes it so much worse. Yeah. Oh, it's it, targeted. It's so annoying that you said that comedians are way creepier to you than crowd members because I I knew it to be true, but I just didn't want to. <laughs> I just Wait, didn't want to hear you mean it. Even the people that we've been hanging out with for nearly a decade, and you, know what, you haven't is... made that assessment of them. Well, that a lot of them are terrible people. <laughs> well, they fucked it for everyone because now, if a comedian comes along that you actually like, I don't want to message her because I don't want to be like the twelfth bloke into her inbox. <laughs> That day. No, but like messaging someone being like, I think you were beautiful. Like, let's, like, asking them out is different. I don't get asked out. I get asked to go for writing sessions and mm. then weird messages at midnight being like, I think you hate me. Like, yeah. <laughs> is, did, are you the one that called me a creep to everyone? And you're like, yes, obviously. Or it could be any other woman. Yeah. Is there a Sydney comedy female group chat where you guys are just teeing off? Oh, there there always is, and it goes through waves because it, every group chat, as we know, has mm. a life cycle of like, this is great. There's so much hot gossip. Everyone's telling everyone secrets in here. We feel so bonded, and then someone adds a cunt to the group who fucks it up for everyone oh, yeah. and starts using it just as like a diary. Mm. And you're getting like just updates for everything. You're like, I'm out. I'm out of the group. Mm. And that's I've been in. I think about ten of those group chats. Every time you talk about a creepy man in a group chat with female comedians, you should level it out for them. Like, just be like, this creepy guy did this, but how pretty are Billy's eyes? Like, just <laughs> say one good thing about the boys. One good thing about the boys. <laughs> just be like, then that- yeah. Sometimes they look blue, but sometimes they look green when oh he's my- up there. Oh my god! And the curls. <laughs> Just balance it out a little bit. I do. I tried to wingman you recently. You don't know about this. There was a comic who was okay. Firstly, <laughs> I totally know about this. <laughs> you do know about this? Yeah. No, okay. Okay. Everybody, put your guns on the fucking table right I'm now. I'm down. I'm down. No, because this piece of shit right here across the table or whatever. Oh, actually, maybe I don't know about this. But anyway, I'm pretty sure we're talking about the same person. Mm-hmm. And Rowan was like, "Oh, I heard this chick has a bit of a crush on you." And I was like, what's all that about? And then she was in Sydney and I said, oh, we should hang out while you're here. And then she just left it on red. <laughs> and I was like. I, I think that might be my fault. I think I, I tried to wingman you too hard. Because she mentioned, like, she came to town and I was like, who have you got a crush on? Because I want someone over east to dick her down so she moves here. <laughs> oh, my God. God. That, sorry, Beck. I should tell you, we don't usually get that blue on the podcast. <laughs> I welcome this. <laughs> I think it's a sign of respect. That's how I moved to Sydney, and so I think it's- <laughs> pass it down for the younger pass it generation. Pass down to the next generation. <laughs> my, very- <laughs> my very healthy behaviour. I encourage younger female comics to do the same. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. But this was a stitch up though, because I wasn't like walking around town being like, oh, this girl is such a big crush on me. Like we we only hung out like twice. Mm. I don't even really know it. But then off the info, Rowan was like, oh, I heard she has a bit of a crush on you. Then I was like, we should hang out. So I acted on bad information. (laughs) I think I I had a part to play in this all because I, she came to town and I was like, who are you crashing on? And she was like, I think Billy's a little bit cute. And I was like, my response was, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That was my that was my response as well. He has, he 
<laughs> just fanning, just be like, oh my God, do it, 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 do it. And then I kept asking for updates of like, have you messaged him yet? Have you missed? And it, I think she was like, I don't know what your I situation think is. You're I, a crazy lady. I think you, with your craziness, have made it have made it seem that I'm like head over heels in love or something. <laughs> You put too much pressure on her. I did. It was my fault. I'm sorry. Yeah, you freaked her out. I mean, I had the cops following me around going, stay stay away. (laughs) I go, what's happened? I was way too enthusiastic. She's like, are you in a trafficking ring with Billy? What's going on? You being paid? This This level of enthusiasm is crazy. Dude, yeah, that was... I just think you're a great bloke. Well, I don't know how you're delivering the message, but it's not coming across. But, um... Well, good to get to the bottom of that because I, held, I have held Rowan mostly responsible for that. And I've held Duggan responsible, who told me. Yeah. And so. ironically, I've I have nothing I feel nothing but love for Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got out of that. <laughs> yeah, I've taken the hate somehow. It's just so funny to be going about your day, not not uh interacting with uh any women or whatever, nothing's wrong, and then someone's like Oh, you should message this girl. She likes you. You go, oh, okay, cool. And then you message her and she rejects you. You go, huh. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just kept living your life. I go, well, that's that seems needless. <laughs> just and a needless rejection. <laughs> I asked someone out on the same day and I was like, oh, I'm going on a date. And Billy goes, yeah, I asked too, but uh, no word yet. <laughs> And he that was the feels guy like who... bullying now. <laughs> he, and... It feels like you almost said about to be like, do it. Yeah. So you this, already had a yes. This is how it went down. Yeah, Roll was like, you should message this girl. And then he was like, oh, there's this other girl. I like, I might message her. And I go, wow, nice one, bud. <laughs> and, and, and then he comes in the next day and he goes, yeah, I've teed up a date with that girl. Like, how do you go? I go, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute shocker. I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. (laughs) My date was shit, though, so it all kind of evens out. Oh, there we go. How shit are we talking here? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Which one was this? This was the one where we did coke till like four in the morning, then I went home and had to work. Oh, yeah. What part of it was bad? The having to go to work or? Um, There's not a whole lot of vibe when it's two people just kind of incessantly talking about their art. I disagree. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I just I think sta- that's some of the. <laughs> I stayed out for too long. It wasn't just. It was. It was not good. I thought that would be like the biggest way to trick yourself into loving someone is just a full night on the blow. No alcohol. Alcohol. The widest pupil eye contact of your life. <laughs> With just two people sweating. Being yeah. like, mm-hmm. So what? Mm. Honestly, if mm. if I'm coked up on a first date and that girl wants to go on a second date with me, like. She something's wrong. The patients well, are the same. Yeah, the worst. Or something ver- wrong. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like that's this. More likely. This girl wants to keep seeing the worst version of me mm. possible. We're talking about. Do you know we what gonna, I mean? We were gonna make. We were gonna make write sketches together and stuff. Oh Neither no! Of us actually, really that's followed. gross. Yeah, that's exactly. Disgusting. Imagine Yuck. me talking about comedy on a Thursday, and I, when I came home, I was like, I'll hang out with that woman again. And then after like a day, I was like, I can't. I can't do. <laughs> I can't do that a second time. If that happens a second time, I can't. So, how many times during that date do you think Rowan said the ABC doesn't get it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to work out on the name Charlie Pickering yeah. from that day. <laughs> <laughs> that night, Charlie Pickering felt a shiver go up his spine, and he had no idea why. But I was just talking so much shit that something happened in the universe. <laughs> 
Dude, it's so funny that Charlie Pickering, you want to talk about someone going about his day who doesn't know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Pickering has an enemy for life and he has no idea. And also the enemy, like me hating him started in like year eight. I remember- Year eight? Wow. That's mm, a deep, what was it? It was an episode of um, Can of Worms I watched with my parents. Did you ever watch that Channel 10 no, show? No, no. <laughs> they discuss things and um, he was such a swarmy little fucking cunt. Um, what on was it, he discussing? On, he was discussing getting bullied when he was in here. Not, he was talking about bullying. And and you were like, and you also, thought it was over, cunt. I, it's only getting started. I was like, don't talk about my people like that. I am the bully. And he was talking about getting bullied because he didn't have pubes in year nine. And I was just like, this dude. And that was it for life. Wow. And just for the timeline on that, that's probably about 12 years. Yeah, probably. That you've held yeah. on to that. Um, yeah, well, you're allowed a few. You like, think you're allowed li- lifelong you're allowed enemies three lifelong that don't know you exist? Enemies. Yeah, for sure. Oh, he knows. He's felt it. <laughs> yeah, he's that shiver up his he's spine, felt, of course. When, <laughs> when I get on that bus that goes from Melbourne Airport to Melbourne City. The Sky Bus. The Sky Bus. He just gets sweat on his brow <laughs> and he's like, he's near. There's a man whose knees are like cramped up against a Sky Bus seat. He feels it. He's like, I feel the need to install CCTV footage <laughs> on my property. I don't know what it is. I'd, I'd love it. Plot twist, you meet Charlie Pickering and he comes up to you and he's like, Rowan, I love your comedy. <laughs> and I would love to watch you just melt and be like, Charlie, I've been watching you for years. I remember watching you on Can of Worms when I was eight years old. <laughs> We're an ABC family. You, Sean McAuliffe, the whole game. I, um, if I meet Charlie Pickering, I'll just shake his hand and be like, Let's get one thing straight to begin with. Let's leave the families out of this. <laughs> no talking shit about wives or children or siblings. Oh, I'm just in it. But we should stop talking about um, powerful people. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. If that's yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, I hope whoever listens to this has the wherewithal to separate you from me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy is I listen to... I listen to the pod every now and then, and whenever you guys talk, it's so interesting because you both have, like, northern beaches. Like, you have coastal accents, but they're so different. <laughs> I don't know. I think I would have Rowan's if I smoked, like, another thousand bombs. Like, And I would have his if I was privately educated. <laughs> That's the difference. So it all works out. It's team sport versus cones in the park. Yeah. Pretty much, I played cricket and him and his mates bullied me for it and our voices. That's how you, they change on the octaves. Yeah, 100%. Mine, mine's not as low as Rowan's because I had to speak during so many assemblies. And I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can really hear the private school. Yeah, I don't hide it. I'm from the ivory tower. No, me too as well. I occasionally will get, yeah. Were you co-ed or single sex? Single sex. Were you co-ed? No, I was single sex as yeah. well. Oh, I, mean, you... the, the, <laughs> I mean, the did... real kind of private school, co yeah, yeah, private yeah. school. Well, well, he's Catholic. He's not even real private, really. What do you mean? What's real private? Yeah, what's real private? He's oh, Catholic... you mean like the rich, rich private? Like the like you would know. North Shore. Like... <laughs> yeah. R- I Rowan's know. like, you know the real private schools where they like have soccer balls for PE? And... <laughs> <laughs> we played dodgeball a lot. <laughs> and we didn't have an oval. We had to walk across the, the street to go to their oval, to go to the public oval. You didn't have an equestrian team? That wasn't a thing? No, okay. no. We did have a shuttle bus Ooh. that some kids took to water polo. 
A water polo. That's, that's quite nice. That's pretty rich. That's pretty rich, yeah. Pretty cool. Also, we'd do the court run on a Monday morn. <laughs> Send a few of the year 11 fellows down. Pick up your section 10s. I want you there for period two, okay? Our year advisor in year 11 and 12 said, you can smoke cones, but just still come to school. <laughs> just please, just still come. You can come high, but please come. I Dude, mean, that oh, that's some, realistic. It is realistic. That's like freedom right, is that? It was. <laughs> and he was a black South African man. Was he? Mm. Well, there you go. Fought the apartheid. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, for the apartheid? Fought the apartheid. Oh, my God. Oh, for. So I thought you said for the apartheid. I was like, well, that's a complex <laughs> name right there. <laughs> He's got some layers. Wow. <laughs> All right, hang on. We should ask Beck a couple of questions. Yeah. While we've got... Um, Someone, someone in the room who has a different opinion than us. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got someone in the room who didn't grow up Thank 400 so metres away from us. <laughs> I can see the care and effort you're putting in being like, we got to let the woman speak. We've got to write down the points. No, to be honest, I've, I've, I'm purely focused on what's coming out of this bloke's mouth because he we- will he will burn an episode to the ground in just a matter of seconds. You constantly have to watch him. Last week, we had no serotonin, no endorphins, no nothing. It's 35 degrees, and he goes, I've got something for the pod. And then I go, and he goes, but it's it's really good, so I'll tell you on the pod. I go, okay, this should be pretty good. Of course, it's about Israel and Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, was about, it was about the jet ski blockade in Sydney. What? There was a bunch of dudes with Palestinian flags on the back of their jet ski stopping an Israeli shipping merchant boat. That's I mean, pretty fun. That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. First political act ever on a jet ski. That's pod Well, the first political one that wasn't so hateful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. First exactly. positive one. First positive one. <laughs> but anyway, we don't get caught in that again for 22 <laughs> minutes and then start having personal digs at each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So, Beck, uh, oh, what? I got a couple of things I wanted to ask you. Firstly, I wanted to ask you about Michelle Wolf's stand-up special because I loved it and I was talking to Alex about it. At a gig, and he said, "Oh man, Beck hated that." No, I didn't hate it. Oh really? No, I loved. I loved the first <laughs> two thirds of it. So, if you <laughs> haven't seen Michelle Wolf's uh, stand-up special, it's so good. Mm. She is she the best female comedian on the planet right now? I think she's up there. Yeah, for sure. She's <laughs> such a good writer. Then why do you hate her so much? I don't hate her. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm not like the other girls. Um. <laughs> no, so so basically. Um, the, <laughs> If you haven't seen Michelle Wolf's stand-up special, basically it goes for about 40 minutes and it's all really funny and just fucking unreal. And then out of nowhere, 40 minutes in, and like the she's just – it's like two cameras in a club. She's just, just banging the jokes out. And then out of nowhere, after 45 minutes, she just turns the gun and just anti-women for like 20 minutes. And then you go, oh, my God, this is crazy. And then she goes, reload, trans women – and it is pretty intense. Like, yeah. Oh, and uh, this uh, let me say, some of the best written jokes I think about women it's and really trans good. women. One of those jokes where it's like you're like, oh, that is me. Fuck, we do. <laughs> fuck, we do do that, don't we? Uh, we are we are a bit of a problem sometimes. <laughs> right. And one of it, the um, trans jokes she did about uh, it, like trans women dying and being like. Are you just doing things that women shouldn't do? Yeah. She's like, like, oh, no, you're getting beat up at night? Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It's dark, but it was was really funny. But it got to, like, 
the last 10 minutes and then she got like real specific with women and I was like, Oh, well, that's, that's actually quite enough, okay? Also, it's a woman doing anti-woman stuff, so you go, let's play it on. But then after like 10 minutes, you're like, man, this chick really hates chicks. Yeah, like, she's not into it. But the, you know, the thing that really- what, what was your vibe on that, though? I, because... well, I loved half of it because I was like, this is so us. Like, we, of course, pull the piss on us. We suck sometimes. And there are just a heaps of, like, general observations that she did. One, the part that really pissed me off was she's like, but now I love using fabric softener because my boyfriend asked me to. I was like, why don't you just suck him up on stage? Try <laughs> <on."> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt Rife, let's talk about it there. <laughs> From the greatest of all time to Matt Rife, what's the vibe on the this? The greaterest of all time, somebody's <laughs> The greaterest, yeah, the biggest. <laughs> Isn't it weird how, like, you can be the biggest comedian on the planet but also, like, the 51st best? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, way lower than 51st best. Way place. lower. Probably way, way lower. Particularly after this special. Fuck me. But, like, if you're the best cricketer on the planet, like, Vera Colley's the best and the biggest. There's not, like, many cricketers who are, like, crap at cricket, but it's like, oh, man. <laughs> But that is our guy. There's that one really <laughs> overweight dude line. who plays for Trinidad and Tobago. But apart from that, whereas comedy is just the Wild West. Mm. What, what's your vibe on this domestic violence joke that everyone is hating on? Oh, you stupid baby. What a stupid baby. <laughs> He's like... a fool. Dude, opening the special with it as like a fuck you to, to no one in particular. Right. And I was like, I think you panicked I'm sorry, a bit. who's been sucking your dick for the last three years? Has it been all chicks, dude? <laughs> Great point. <laughs> also, the guy's like bitter about the fact he's like massive, but it's not exactly the way he wanted it. Mm. Oh, such a hot person complaint. They're like, why is the thing exactly the way that I wanted it to be? Yeah. Dude, I tell you what, when you sell 73 tickets in Adelaide, you don't give a fuck who they are. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not alienated yeah. soul. You shake their hands and you do your domestic violence stuff towards the end. <laughs> okay? It's, it's called being a gentleman. Check, <laughs> check the vibe in the room. Yeah, up top was the dumbest thing for me. I'm like, hide it. <laughs> so, dude, I didn't watch the special and then... My friend was like, did you hear about this? And I was like, oh, nah. Like, she's like, oh, you got to watch it. I was like, I don't want to watch like a 15-minute thing right now. She's like, no, it's the first minute of the special. And I was like, I'm so in for this. Mm. Let's go. And like, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, look, it's not that good but, or whatever. But I love it afterwards when he's like, just checking if you guys are fun. <laughs> just a hectic DV joke. Yeah. And I love like now the onus is on them not to be little bitches. <laughs> so yeah. corny as well. It's just like one of the corniest jokes. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like a street joke. Like he's like, we were in this diner and this chick with a black. It's like it never happened. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. Everything's made up, but it's like if you're gonna make something up, just make it fucking sick. So open mic, weird dark joke you'd hear and be like, all right, fucking hell. Yeah, like it's like nine parts dark, but like one part good. Yeah. Does he do material? He just like all I've ever seen is crowd work clips. No, he's got, like, two YouTube specials. Really? But he's always going on against, like, anti-cancel culture and anti-PC police. I think what? I think what? he's, like, he's like a fucking dark, like, guy, comedy, you know, darker comedian guy who's, like, mm. not overly outrageous at it, but in just the hottest body. Mm. So then- Pick oh, one, cunt. You yeah. get one. Yeah, I know. But I don't know. It is weird that quite a few dark comedians are like the handsome ones as well. Jesselnick's pretty hot. Jesselnick's yeah. pretty hot. 
Do you reckon Matt Rife has had surgery though? Yes. 100%. See, this is what we need. A, a this is really on. why we okay. got you on. Like, Thank you so much. Is it because I'm like, he's 100% had surgery, but he denies it. See, this is the thing is, this is what you get when you alienate women, is mm. they will do what they do to other women that they hate and immediately be like, do you think she got some work done? I think she got some <laughs> fucking work done. Her teeth aren't fucking real. I know it. And they will turn on you physically and start bullying you. Yeah. Also, if if you're selling 73 tickets in Adelaide, no one gives a fuck if you maybe had surgery. Yeah. But mm. once you get to like arena levels, all of a sudden me and Rowan are like discussing your jawline. Yeah. Trying to work out if it's real or not. It's if- giant though. I mean, we like there is a certain – like when men go, like get to the end of their 20s, some of them just magically grow a jaw. I mean, oh yeah. Can we talk about Freddie McManus? One of the biggest glow ups of all time in mm. comedy. Dude, you could grate cheese on his jaw. It's insane. But his is like his is just like more defined. Matt Rife's is bigger. Like it's larger. His teeth are like uh, they're like a fridge door. Like they're Dude, just so big. His, his lips are like he's obviously got a bit of something in the lips. Bit of filler. Yeah. 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 As soon as we start, and maybe they're big from all the kissing it's been doing. <laughs> Me and Billy getting new lips would be so much fun. <laughs> you guys hear that Billy got – and just Billy rocking up with these beautiful Giant big lips. lips. Dude, honestly, my top lip is notoriously thin. I think – yeah, yeah. It's well, quite It's quite. I don't thin. even know because we'll, you, we'll little, sort that you out. always have a little moustache going on. Yeah, uh, even before the moustache. <laughs> ev- everyone was talking <laughs> shit. Everyone. I'm t- literally without fail would talk about how thin my top lip is. But there is something quite – and um, this is me just body shaming men now, is like men with like a giant set of lips, there is something that you're like. Bit much. Bit much. What yeah. is that for? Yeah, what like, is that? Oh. Sucking dick, dude. <laughs> I love how homophobic women can be. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Michelle Wolf inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Wolf radicalized me against women. <laughs> but, Beck, you also date a Serbian man. What's that like? Is that Terrifying. crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever That's j- why I didn't find the Matt Rife joke funny. Oh, <laughs> 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 we're really just getting into it. Um, how, how is it dating a Serb? Like, can you just put soccer on, on the telly or do you have to, like, warn him? And, like... Honestly, I didn't know that he was, like, Serb-Serb until, like, we'd been dating for a month and he called his mum and started talking full Serbian on the phone. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? You've got oh, that I got joke. A spicy one. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, you've got that joke about how hot it was. Yeah. It is yeah. hot to see someone you like just start speaking another language real it, quick. Well, do you know, yeah. I think it's hot to just see someone exhibit a skill. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down Dude, to. Dude, competence is so hot. Yeah, so hot. But when people are good at what care. they do. Yeah, he was just like, whatever. Mm. Talking to my mom, I was like, love it. Do you have, do you <laughs> ever jam up about that there was like a cute Macedonian at the coals or something just to get a bit of testosterone running through his body. I would never. Oh, my God. Fuck those cunts. I'll fucking poison more of them. No, I, I, I do the opposite. I'd be like, fuck Croatia. And he's like, you're the woman of my dreams. Oh, of course. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Spe- I, what were you going to say? I was, I was going to say I'm making a lot of domestic violence jokes here, but that is – I, the only reason I know that there is a stereotype is because the first thing my mum ever said to him when she met him was, she didn't say hello, she didn't say, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> she sat down and was like, I hear there's a lot of domestic violence in Serbia. Oh. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, nowhere else in the world. Yeah, just there. <laughs> just there. That is bullshit that Serbian men are copying that. <laughs> and then she just paused and said, like, what say you? <laughs> what say you to that? Hmm? And my uncle was like, what the fuck's wrong with you, Julia? He was sweating already. He was so nervous to be my mom. And then he, <laughs> he was like, what the fuck? I'm wearing my favorite watch and you do this to me? Yeah. <laughs> he had his Tommy Hilfiger on. Yeah. He's wearing his polo with one button. Where, where do they get those? <laughs> he had his giant orthodox cross hanging out to show that he's a man of God. Yeah. He's a provider. He's got two watches. <laughs> as long as my soccer team keeps winning, yeah. everything's going to be fine. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. That's one of the – I've never heard anyone – be introduced to parents with that level of intensity immediately. Yeah. I mean, my mum, to be fair, is just like a more crazy version of me. A more white wine version, would you say? I'd say, yeah, be heavy woody Chardonnay. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Chardonnay. <laughs> she's, she's an author and journalist, so. Oh, she-, she does like true crime, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so she's a terrifying to beat as yeah. a young man. She knows all the DV statistics from your area. <laughs> Great. She like goes to shake his hand and she has like a plastic sleeve. She's like, I just got your prints. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you now. How are we going for time? I feel like. Oh, okay. 39 minutes, mate. A couple of things here I just wrote down, but we sort of bantered through. I mean, you know, there was just electricity in the room. Should we just recap the first 35 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about our favorite bits. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you like uh, – I was hoping to get Conchetta on at some stage, but um, didn't get around to it. What like is now that you've had one woman on, you're like, well, actually, I don't think we'll have another one. Well, you know, <laughs> Beck, depending on how the next 10 minutes goes, it could be another 262 episodes until we see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to freak you out, but this could go either way. The pressure's on. No, no, no. <laughs> What, what's the go? So all the uh, comedians, the female comedians are always saying, this one's for the girlies. You know, this goes out to the girlies. Mm-hmm. Can we get a clear definition on what a girlie is? And are all girls girlies? Oh, f- I almost have to be like, you have to let Conchetta deal with this one. I knew it was Conchetta. It's her word. Like, she's the one that has, and- I think she's put copyright on it. I don't think we can actually say it without giving her money. Because, like, all blokes aren't lads. Yeah, but you say lads, when you say lads, what do you mean? I mean, here's the thing is, I know what I mean. Okay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) blokes that don't mind singing a song on a shuttle bus. Yes. Oh, that's a great definition. Blokes that at one stage all gaffer taped beers together and played King of Beers or whatever. Yeah, like blokes that um, will give in to like a mob mentality at a moment's notice. Okay. Okay, well, then in that case- not I'm not lad. saying that's what girlies are, but I'm just saying that's an example. Like, there are blokes who aren't lads. Yes. And you could argue, in fact, I think many police officers have, that there are many lads that aren't blokes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there is a distinction, and I was wondering if maybe there was a similar thing with girlies. Like, a girl is like the more sort of party-party girls You're or- s- Yeah, because not every woman is a girly. Because I feel like, is girly more of an attitude- a girly is, I think, uh, someone that will go to a hen's uh, that they don't want to and will woo the whole night through. Yeah, okay. That's a girly. Um, like you'd want someone in- whose personality changes when they get acrylic nails, mm. that's a girly. Like a little bit toxic. 
Yeah, a little bit. Because lads are a little bit toxic. Oh, yeah. But you need, you know, you need a little bit of sugar to sweeten the dish. <laughs> <laughs> you ever had cake That's without sugar? <laughs> Fucking dry and boring. Okay. No good. Yeah. No, you gotta have. You gotta have. A little something that's fucked up. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, it, good to get clarification on that. Perfect. Do we know any girlies? I should let you know, Beck. Uh, off the back of moving to the city, we now have two confirmed female friends. Whoa, Ooh. guys! Congrats. That's awesome. And only one of them's a lesbian. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty cool. They're the I, they're the hardest straight men to win over. So lesbians? That's, I think I think that's yeah having a lesbian friend. Oh, you're they kidding! They have no purpose for you, no you, reason to interact. I could not but, uh, disagree more. Really, they love us. <laughs> lesbians and lads, like bang. They really, gel. they're a Venn diagram that cross. Gay dudes hate Billy. Gay dudes, they don't hate me, but they definitely don't care for me. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, you will attest to this. How hard did I bomb in front of all those gay guys at happy endings that night? Oh. It went ja- it went Addie Boyle, Jake Howie, and then me. And also two shows. Two shows. Two shows. And the second sh- the first show I went like pretty bad, but like it wasn't like ah. I went bad. And Annie and Jake Howie were destroying. Mm. Um <laughs> but then the second show, it was crazy. <laughs> like they hate they. It was I like was, sending a lamb to the slaughter. It was like lo- as you walked out. I think we all wanted to hold hands in the green room and just say a prayer and be like, "He's not going to come back <laughs> you go, the same." You go straight from Jake Howie jazz hands into like me singing talk- Shakira. Yeah, his whole eight minutes was him singing parts of Shakira songs, <laughs> and it is leveling. Okay. And then I go out there and you could just feel the vibe in the room. I think oh, turned. You said, how are you going? And they treated like you'd just done a hate crime. Yeah. <laughs> I have a theory that whenever Billy talks into a microphone, gay men have this like image of him in year nine that it just comes to them. They just see what he was like at the back of a bus and they're like, no, 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 no. You made us feel other. No, 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 no. Like we own all the property in this area now. <laughs> that was, uh, you were hosting. I remember you came on after. And also I was doing like uh, like three, four minutes into the bomb. I just did like a couple of my best jokes just to try and do something. Stuff that has absolutely destroyed hundreds of times. I mean, they laughed in orange, so what's your problem? (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm just watching them go down. At this point, I'm like uh, detached from what's happening. Like my face is here, but my soul is like behind my head. And I'm just watching these things go out, just nothing. And and you come on and you're like, I think that was too straight too quickly. <laughs> I didn't say that, fuck. Under the bus with you. <laughs> and, and I, you yeah, know, honestly, I didn't mind at all. I full proper, like, just grabbed my sonnies and just stormed out. Yeah, no, I, an appropriate response. I, as soon as I walked off, I was like, he's not going to be there. Yeah. And also, there it's, a ti- it's a tiny green room there. You don't want me standing 30 centimeters away from you, seething. Mm. And I'm not going to sit there, don't worry about it, guys. Wasn't my night. Man, you guys are killing tonight. Who wants to hang in and have a beer? <laughs> Dude, fuck all that noise. I'm leaving immediately. I hated that. Um, the room went so silent for a second. I was like, did the audience leave? Like it was. It wasn't, a, it wasn't just the silence. It was like the tone of the silence. Yeah. It was like, we don't like you and we never will. Like, there's nothing you could say. I, I sometimes have that with like middle-aged people in suburbia kind of. They oh, just look they at me. I comedy in general. I don't know. The way they look at me at like I'm their son that betrayed them <laughs> is just unbelievable. They just 
They just do not respect my life choices in any way. It's so scary. They see you coming from distance and they're like, he's going to be friends with my son. No! <laughs> <laughs> it's not allowed in the house. <laughs> I, I'm not going back to Cronulla. <laughs> yeah, Rowan has a rule that he's never going back to Cronulla. What happened in Cronulla? Until I own a house. But um. when I don't own a house, my self-esteem can't take it back. It can't take the look on these women's faces as they just kind of go, oh. Dude, Cronulla are the worst comedy audiences on the planet. Mm. Have you gigged down there? Uh, I, it has ne- it's never gone well. I've done two. It's like, they're just close to the beach. They're happy with their lives. They don't you seem can't... happy with their lives to me. <laughs> I tell you what, they're not having a fucking laugh, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, well, last thing, Beck, I just wrote down here. It's just sort of a closing thought. Um, I just thought we could get a female opinion on this. Okay. I think- Robert Irwin, from what I can see, has got to be the worst root on the planet. I'm so passionate about this subject. Thank you for bringing this up. I second this. <laughs> this is a purely a vibe-based <laughs> comment. He's, he's... I saw him on television the other day. I saw him on a Google ad where he's like learning how to make mocktails with the Google app or whatever. It's so sad. And I let we've all let it slide for long <laughs> enough, okay? I think we've all turned a blind eye to this shit for a long time. And God bless, I have no ill will towards the young man, but what's what's doing? I've, he is the, like he has to be asexual though. Like think of Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin was not rootable. Like he's living in his father's shadow. No, I think Steve <laughs> would have been a great root, but um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't like see him wrestling the crocodiles. Yeah, N- no, I, his heart belongs to nature. I would never intervene. <sighs> I think Steve would be a great root in like a sensible way. Like missionary, but the best goddamn missionary of your no, fucking life. No, he'd be life. too enthusiastic. It would it would gross you out. He has a dark he'd be like, side. You're so beautiful. I'd be like, oh, yuck. Well, he, I, he has a dark you side. Hate me like a normal person. <laughs> I think Robert. I mean, the fact that he goes by Robert is probably where I'll stop you straight away. Why are we calling this kid Robert? Like Rob Irwin, Robbie Irwin. That kid bangs. <laughs> I, you just got Robert over you, just going like, wow, how does that feel? I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> you know what it is? I think they they, uh, they were told when they were young, they were like, you will not be sexual beings. Mm, like, Bindi said daddy on TV and everyone was like, fuck that bitch. And like, we can't even go close. We can't even go close to that vibe again. I don't know. I think it should be illegal to media train people under the age of 18. That's because a good point. They mm. got to they got to Bindi at like fourteen or something. Yeah, she but got they picked up over. they picked up Robert at like nine. Mm. Mm. This bloke hasn't had a conversation without a fucking headset monitor in since he was eleven. Yeah, like, and I think we've lost him. No one taught me and Billy how to move our hands. We had to work that out on our own. I still don't know how to. Who taught you? <laughs> Send them my me. way. The streets taught me. Fuck. I don't know. I just feel like Robert Irwin. I feel like it's getting out of control. Some people just don't have. They just don't. Have the thing. Mm. Like, what do you mean he doesn't have the thing? He's like one of the most famous people on the planet. Yeah, but Billy always thinks that fame means that you need to be talented. Or that's sexual. Not, What's yeah. that about? Well, I'm- It's because he's talented and sexual and he <laughs> yeah. he's going to be famous. Because here's the deal. If fame isn't based on getting talented and becoming one of the best roots on the East Coast- then what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> no comprehending. You old Bill. What, so every Hollywood film I saw is a lie. Okay. Okay, guys. I if I I think the most disturbing thing would be like if his sex tape leaked. I think people would wa- not well, watch it out of respect this is the for problem. the first time. 
I think you're 100% right, Beck. Yeah. The problem with Robert Irwin is the way he's talking like this Christian AI, if it comes out that he's done the most mild shit ever, like kissed another girl on the lips behind his girlfriend's lips or something, it's going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be insane, dude. It's, you- and also, Channel 9, the Today Show, and all these shows where he's been coming on, oh, Carl, today I've got a lizard. <laughs> I tell you what, watch them turn. Watch the Murdoch media turn on this poor kid who built him from the age of 11. Now he doesn't know up from down. Sounds like he's uh, sort of a Hillsong convert or something. Mm. I worry for him. If he just has to face Channel 7, get on Sunrise because he kissed a girl past 11. Yeah, dude, he's going to have to do a media tour if he, like, smokes a cigarette. It would make him more likable, though. Dude, I- The public Amongst the lads, for sure. Dude, Robert Irwin, if he did, like, a heel turn and became, like, a villain- Oh my God! <laughs> Sign me if Robert Irwin's being like I don't if he's like cheating on chicks and he's like I don't give a fuck I don't I'm not my dad fuck off <laughs> I mean the amount of pressure on him because like he's perfect at like every single point like yeah he, ha- if he had a freak building. out and was like sorry guys it's a bit fucking much being Steve Irwin's son <laughs> I'd be like dude totally yeah go shoot an elephant in Africa I don't give a shit <laughs> okay I'm gonna stop you there God, if that's the thing that comes out. <laughs> yeah. He secretly goes on poaching holidays. Dude, we need Robert Irwin wrecking ball error. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just watch him murk a croc for no reason. Dude, it, okay, if, if he turns on the animals, I would be disappointed. I will say, like, because he's now hosting I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Have you seen oh, this? Wow. He's so in tune with the mainstream media. It's unbelievable. I, dude, honestly, <laughs> And I live with him. He doesn't watch it. Like, I don't know where it gets the information from. Yeah, dude, where do you get your info from? Dude, Robert is just, he's popping up in my life. I mean, it is pretty, like, do you are you big scrollers? Do you like a scroll? I'll, I'll get on a scroll. I love a scroll. Yeah. That's where I get all my info from. Yeah. But I think with Robert Irwin, it would, like, because now he's, <laughs> as if I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, was not degrading enough already. <laughs> <laughs> now you've got this poor cut off Love Island eating cockroaches or whatever they're doing, and you got this 18-year-old kid next to you going, keep going, you're almost there. Like, <laughs> Just uh, handling the snake that bit you beautifully. <laughs> Just being like, look at this one. I don't know, why you, were, yeah, I don't know why you were screaming so much. <laughs> He's a little fella. It's almost like we didn't grow up with this since we were four, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I think we're out of time. In fact, we are. Beck, I must apologise just towards the end here. You came on the podcast, you graced us with your presence, and we thank you so much to promote your new comedy special. That's it, Bipolar Baby. Wait, what date is this coming out? This will come out this Thursday. Oh, it should be out today. Today on YouTube. So, so it's out now. Go check it out. Bipolar Baby on YouTube. Mm-hmm. How good's that? Mystery what that one's about. You'll have to, to tune in and see. <laughs> it's like depression <laughs> with a r- r- remix. Let's, yeah. <laughs> Let's mix a Serb from out, out of Brisbane with a Perth woman with bipolar. <laughs> Let's see what nice. happens. Match made in heaven. No, check it out. Oh, <laughs> that will be awesome. Sydney City. I ride for Sydney City. <laughs> yeah, we got to restart the beef with Melbourne hard. Oh, I'm so for that. Fuck those cunts. Swinging at the festival next year, dude. (laughs) Swinging. (laughs) I'm going to be chill. (laughs) I'm going to be real chill. Okay. Well, (laughs) yeah. Rowan had a little incident at this year's festival, but (laughs) that's okay. Beck, Bipolar Baby on YouTube. Everyone go check it out. Beck's an absolute gun comedian. We gig with her all the time. That's going to be so sick. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for finally having a woman. Go you. Never again.